Hey there, travelers, and welcome to another ballad Q&A. Uh, my schedule has been pretty hectic, so I am going to be recording this separately. Um, we did get some some questions. Uh, I, I sent them out, but if I don't hear back from others, then I'll, I'll just... You'll hear me answering them myself. Okay, so that's what throws you off. But yeah, so I'm I'm really excited. We actually had a lot of questions sent in. How many do we have? We had 18 questions sent in. That is a fair amount. I'm pretty excited. Uh, I I always worry about when I ask people to send in questions if anyone's going to actually send anything in because it'd be really awkward if we had a Q and A and then there was nothing. But um, pretty stoked to see this. And thank you everyone who has been uh, at, since we got on Spotify. We got. Uh, Quite a few stars on there. I think it's like at 20 the last time I checked, so pretty rad. If you're liking us on Spotify, you can hit those five stars, baby. No, but really, I, I do appreciate the, the support everyone's been giving us, and uh, it's always so excited to to see Ballad growing. Man, it is, it's wild. We just finally wrapped up the All Hail Prince MZ arc, and I'm fairly certain that's our longest arc, and we're... Oh, I don't know if we're like 75% of the way through this campaign or not. It's close. Something like that, though. We're we're getting into that home stretch soon. Oh, it's going to be good. All right. Let's go ahead and dive into these questions because there's a, there's a fair amount, and I'm, I'm just excited for them. All right. So we had two questions from Sam. Sam asked, is the Lich Queen dead? Fair enough. The Lich Queen is an incredibly powerful individual. And I did tone her down during the fight with Death Shift. She isn't dead. Dead. You know, Lich coming back. She is smarter than a lot of other Liches, I feel. So she had multiple Flactories hidden away. Uh, one of them was inside MZ. She felt pretty confident about that one. That MZ wasn't going to be uh, cutting himself open. Fun fact, if the party would have spent time, I know they probably wouldn't have ever done this, but if for whatever reason anyone bothered to kind of look around a little bit inside MZ, way back in like the fourth or fifth episode when Matthews ripped open MZ's chest, uh, they would have seen the phylactery in there, uh, and they, they would have been able to pull it out and try to figure out how to destroy that because MZ would have known exactly what that was. Yeah, I, I've been sitting on this one for a long time. But no, the Lich Queen is not dead, but she is weakened a fair amount because when you lose a portion of your soul, you're connected to the arcane. I feel like that is... That's where a lot of like your connection comes to your power base. So the Lich Queen has been dethroned and she's been weakened, but she's not dead and... She's going to take a while to recover. And Sam's other question. What is Father Matthews? Father Matthews is a ghoul. So I know in normal D&D, ghouls are like those undead that uh, they're always hungry. They're always, they're always trying to eat pretty much everything. They're, they're cursed with like a eternal ravaging hunger. They, they just want to rip everything apart. So with Matthews and the, the ghouls in our world, what they are is people who've had too much 
interaction with the Far Realms, and I mean too much, because like you can have a warlock who has like a Far Realms patron, right? And they get a little weird. But like these are people who are like living there, spent too much time. And so Matthews has spent more than a lot of time there. I don't want to give anything away, because there's there's more to come up about Matthews, but uh, ghouls are essentially people who've had too much interaction with the Far Realms and generally have spent some time living in in that kind of section of reality. And so the, the Far Realms itself has twisted their human nature into, or whatever species they were before, into a ghoul. So yeah, I, I guess like in, in any species could become a ghoul technically. But yeah. Thanks for sending those in, Sam. We have some more here. This one is from, I believe, how to pronounce your name is Inga. If I get your name wrong, I mean, you got my email, right? Send an email in and tell me how to pronounce your name and I, I could always go back and, and do some fixes. All right, so the first question here. How do you feel about Draxir dying when Ronnie couldn't heal him? Um, me personally, like as Jason, um, I kind of thought it was funny overall because uh, it's sort of like, yeah, that's that's Ronnie, you know. Uh, it was sort of my mistake as a player to assume that Ronnie would have any real ability at all to use like the tools in Draxir's hand for one and two. It's kind of just like Ronnie's character type, you know, to be completely chaotic like that's that's literally who Ronnie is so as a person as a player I just find it kind of funny overall it is what it is you know and then Draxir gets like a little bit of that but not so much like actually laughing obviously because his life kind of hangs in the balance of, of stuff like that not happening but when it comes down to like his in-game feeling I think the party had been together long enough at that point where he kind of forgive it because it's like, well, I think you're doing the best that you can. But this it's a major piss off, you know, like this is a big deal. Don't be fucking up like this again kind of thing is be more like a disappointed father, I guess, more than anything. Even though Ronnie's not necessarily like a child figure to him, I guess Draxir kind of kind of has that sort of instinct with most people who he feels don't act in super mature ways. And I, I think Ronnie doesn't act like a fully mature person in a good number of ways. That's probably why he would see him that way. Why does Ronnie always want to mess things up? So when Evan first created Ronnie, I don't I, I might have talked about this before. When we're we're doing character creation and everyone's telling me about like the the heroes they wanted to create and stuff like that and their their cool storylines, Evan's requirement was that Ronnie would always never be a hero. He'd always be kind of like a like a bit of a goof, a little bit of a mess up. Like he'll, he'll always kind of, kind of mess things up on himself. Every time he thinks he's like, oh, all things are coming up, Ronnie. He does something that just really screws himself over. And Evan wanted that to be a, a constant with Ronnie. And that's, that's why I, I decided that Ronnie would be like the, the chosen of chaos, right? Because uh, he's so chaotic and there's so much chaotic energy around him that he just can't have, things be stable for him things really work out so that's why ronnie always wants to do something weird try something different ends up messing things up causing problems for himself is because uh that's that's the direction that evan really wanted for ronnie and uh <laughs> he does a good job of it i'll say that much why didn't ronnie heal drax here 
So this Ronnie, like a, so Bard Ronnie, the Ronnie who stayed behind in Geldspar, he has cure wounds, right? And other other little healing spells, just like everyone else in the damn party. Um, but this Ronnie does not, as he is a he's actually a rogue. He doesn't have access to any cure spells. He he's only I don't know what level. This actually ties into the other question Inga had. What level is uh, this other Ronnie? Um, we've been calling Cloney for a while, uh, but Cloney Cloney is a rogue, uh, like a shadow thief or a spell thief or something like that, and is only level three or four. So that's why like. Ronnie's been really lucky and hasn't been hit by anything while he's been this other Ronnie, but the moment that he's hit, like <laughs> like one or two hits is just gonna take him out and it's gonna throw everyone off by a lot. But yeah, the, the reason he didn't heal Drax here is he didn't have any healing spells and he doesn't know how to read, so he couldn't read the instructions on how to use Draxir's arm and then, you know, luck at the dice. Uh, that's that's what ended up happening for Draxir. Uh, thank you for sending those questions in, Inga. And once again, I hope I got your name right. We have here from Alex. What inspired me to make Draxer's story about being separated from his wife and children? Uh, most of it is just that it's kind of like a different thing. Um, I don't listen to a ton of TTRPG podcasts. Uh, kind of mostly the ones that worked with and collaborate with Ballad. You know, I just kind of pay my respects by listening to them too and they're usually quite good but in those and ours too like there's not a lot of cases where characters um sort of have a family by default that they're kind of supporting if that makes sense like they're usually sort of on their own or their family is not that dependent on them and i think in this case it kind of raised the stakes made it more interesting and I think it's also like me in real life, like I want to have a family someday, so I guess maybe it was sort of uh, subconsciously like an exercise in trying to explore what that's like. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if I, I didn't do that fully consciously, but I think there's a little bit of that in there when I kind of reflect on it. I just want to start with a third question here. Why make Dorum and her team heroes? I made Dorum and her team like previous heroes because the whole campaign around uh, like the, this Ballad of the Chosen Few campaign that we're playing through, um, it's it all revolves around the monster within. Everyone has the potential for good, just like they have the potential for evil, right? And there are no truly evil beings aside from the few like demons and devils and certain entities that literally just dwell in hell. Other creatures, you know, like like an orc or a drow or a human or an elf, they all have the same potential for good and evil. It's it's nurture, not nature. And so I wanted to show how heroes could really rise up to the top and become something remarkable become something amazing and it was that easy for those heroes to fall and it wasn't necessarily because those heroes wanted to be bad they were they were infected by azathoth and corrupted and turned but it, it just showed like this is who they also could have been so 
I wanted to kind of showcase that, just like how the, the Chosen can turn into Corrupted, right? These are all heroes. These are all people trying to do the right thing, or at least for the most part, and they have just as much potential of becoming this ultimate monster that could that could wipe things out, like Noir turning into Oblivion. I, I thought was a a really good one, as Noir was this this powerful uh, rogue-like character, and they were upbeat and happy and traveling with Gaia, and they ended up uh, just becoming a huge thorn in in the party's side just because of a, a simple, I wouldn't call it a misstep, but what the party did. They had a very clever plan. It just was an unfortunate accident, was all. So yeah, the, the reason I made them to be heroes was because to show that uh, even great heroes can fall into something uh, something darker. And, you know, vice versa can also happen, right? These other two questions are a little bit of a longer conversation. Uh, are there plans for a second campaign? Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to do a second campaign for sure. Um, whether that would be both streamed and then I'd take the audio from when we'd stream and then turn it into the campaign or if it would just be a podcast. I'm unsure. I'd probably lean towards the streaming thing because we're getting a really good really good feedback on the stream, which is awesome. A lot of people coming in and, and interacting, which is cool. But there there definitely will be a second campaign and I this one was definitely a lot of work and was very long. I I, I made a lot of mistakes along the way, I felt. I mean, I love the story. Absolutely love it. Pride and joy. And I'm I'm amazed we got to finish the campaigns first time after 15 years playing this dice game. But yeah, I, I definitely want a second campaign. What that will be, we'll have to see. Uh, I don't know how much it'll be tied into The Chosen. Probably fairly loosely. If anything, it'll be tied in more to like Death Shift stuff after. Like uh, what what they get up to, that kind of thing. And will everyone from the first campaign be in the second campaign? Probably not. And to be honest, I would say that most people from the first campaign, not everyone, but most of them, weren't stoked about it being uh, recorded. They had fun. We all had fun with this campaign. We all had a good time. Uh, the professional aspect wasn't uh, a huge thing for a lot of people. They they just wanted to play play the game, and that's fine, right? And that's that's one thing I always try to tell people who who want to create an actual play, or who want to like drag a bunch of friends into an actual play. Don't drag anyone in. Never never drag anyone in. Only bring in people who want to be there. You will run into all sorts of issues and the issues are valid right not everyone wants to perform not everyone wants to record or feel like they're on when you're recording there is a certain level of stress uh added to it right you kind of feel like you have to be a better player than you just normally would when you're just kind of messing around hanging out with friends and like a better dm so i think not everyone would be there. Maybe Jason, because Jason's in our stream game. If Jason wants to definitely uh, play more. And you know, if others wanted to, I'd be open. I'd probably end up having a like a casting call. Is what I would probably do. 
so that it would just capture people who really want to be there. And I feel like that's that's very important. Because when you have people who want to be there, they'll show up to that recording session. There won't be conflicts about having it recorded. There won't be issues about having guests on or anything like that. And these are, these are things that I ran into and I had a, a lot of trouble working through them. You know, and like I said before, it was, it was all valid reasons. This isn't for everyone. I love performing and I love doing this. So uh, absolutely stoked. But I don't think that everyone will be there in the second campaign. So sorry if that disappointed you. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, I love these guys. They're all they're all good friends of mine. And, and uh, this has been a lot of fun to make. But sorry if that disappointed you that they all won't be there. But, you know, who knows who will be, right? So thank you for sending those in, Alex. Now, I'm fairly certain I got this name down, but I have some more from Miguel. So Miguel asks, What setting did you get the dwarves with the metal arms from? Those are Umberto's uh, personal creation, actually. He whipped that up, and he got very excited and was sending me a million texts about uh, the whole concept. But yeah, that, that is all from Umberto's mind. Yeah, we didn't pull those from any setting. That is uh, completely homebrewed. And I actually integrated it into our homebrew world of Loch Realta. So Bordon's home of Mons Regnum is, is actually a, a main staple. What happens if someone's character loses all their lives? Would you let them play a new character? This is a tricky one because it is possible, right? I don't want to spoil anything. If a player lost... Uh, their character lost all their their lives then what would happen to them is their character would become a monster and i would control that monster i'd probably have to get them to do a bunch of like lines like voice lines uh or whenever that that person would talk but they would become an antagonist that would hunt after the the rest of death shift and they would be incredibly powerful too right so that is what would happen if they lost all their lives. And would I let them play a new character? Yeah. I mean, it's totally up to them. If a player said, I was really invested in this character, I really wanted to play this one, and I'm I'm upset they're dead, and I don't think I'd, I want to keep playing, then I'd be okay with that. And that is, you know, a player's choice. But if a player said, hey, uh, like, that sucked, still upset about it, not stoked, but... I want to keep playing with you guys and I want to play a different character, then I am equally okay with that. Don't want to spoil anything, but yeah. And how long has Robert planned MZ being a prince? Very early on, I think. If not, when he was making his character, then very shortly after he made his character is when it was decided that MZ would be the the biological son to the Gith Yankee Lich Queen. The reason that... Because she's she's old, very old, and MZ isn't that old. So what she did was, when she was still alive, she had a son, but kept him in the material plane as a baby, so he could never age. And he was never aware that he was just this baby for all this time because his mental capacity never developed. So this baby was taken care of in secret until shortly before the ballad game... And then MZ was brought to the material plane to age. And then MZ ended up aging and, and becoming a full adult, entering the army. And then the 
Githyanki Queen made the illusion of adopting him into the the family. And yeah, Enzi didn't know at first that he was uh, originally her son. He thought he was just, you know, someone she took a liking to and adopted as her son. So it, it's been planned from very early on that I had two players who wanted to be princes. Yeah, so, you know, this is probably the most princes I've ever had in a game. I don't think I've ever actually had anyone play a prince before. So two princes, one party. Thank you, Miguel, for sending those in. And this is from, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Zia. Like I said, if I'm not pronouncing your name properly, send me an email and tell me how to pronounce it and I will come back and I will, I will correct these. Uh, but Zia asked, I thought the fight with Yegditha would be a lot harder. Why was he that weak if he was a god? Yes, the Yegditha fight wasn't like fighting a god out of like one of the rule books. Yegditha had been weakened greatly by Matthews and used Kelsar as a vessel to just recover inside Kelsar and kind of work. And that's why Yegditha had a hard time controlling Kelsar because Yegditha was weak. If Yegditha was at full strength, Kelsar would just be gone, just be consumed into Yegditha. Kelsar and friends, they were able to defeat Yegditha because they were still in a weakened state. They were stronger than they were at the beginning of the campaign, but they still needed a lot of time. And a lot of their worshippers actually were killed. So even a lot of like their, their power base was, was gone. When a god loses most of their worshippers, then they are a lot weaker as well. So I tried to make Yegditha tough. Basically, I gave it everything Kelsar had, and I increased the hit points by quite a bit. And the, the party was able to still take Yegditha down. So... I wanted it to be an option because Brent, when proposing the idea of Kelsar and, and this uh, this whole situation, like the deity in their head and stuff, there was always going to be the card on the table of Kelsar confronting Yegditha and having a battle. So I didn't want it to be impossible and I needed there to be solid reasoning behind that. So that is the, the reason I, I weakened Yegditha right at the beginning. Zia also asked, is the main ballad campaign ever going to be streamed? We are done recording this campaign. I've just been editing it and releasing it as we go. And, you know, recording the odd, like, extra special thing to, to add in. Like, we have a, a special coming up after this. It's going to be, like, an audio drama thing, like we did with Dorm's thing, The Sacred Flame. That was Act 2... Chapter four, the sacred flame. Yeah, so that we had that like a, an audio drama, and this too will be an audio drama, dipping into Draxir's home, and kind of like stuff that's going on there. And I wanted to to fill in some gaps. This campaign in particular will never be streamed because it's already been done. But the second campaign, like I mentioned before, there's a high chance that we will stream that one. Because, you know, reach a bigger audience. Also, I love podcasting because I can add the sound effects. I can add the music. I can take my time. I can make it just how I want it. With streaming, a lot of it is really on the go and very, very stressful in that regard. It kind of requires a certain level of perfection, like like being in the theater, right? 
that people need to know their lines. Audience isn't going to wait for you to get things set up. You just have to be ready to go and be entertaining. And it's improv, so even better. But uh, I do love seeing the audience interaction directly while the episode's happening. It's, it's a lot of fun. Whereas podcasting, you don't really see that a whole lot. I wish you did. I wish there was some way. I know on Podchaser, you can review individual episodes, but I think only one person did that for like two of our episodes. So if you ever want to do that, that'd be remarkable. And I'd, I'd be really floored to see anyone um, reviewing our individual episodes and giving some feedback, giving some thoughts. So uh, if you want to do that, head on over to Podchaser. Don't tear me apart, <laughs> but give me your honest thoughts. Uh, yeah, so main campaign uh, right now won't be streamed. But, you know, near future, probably. Uh, third question. Does it annoy you to have Uhtred blow up so often? Hmm. The heck of a question. I, It is a little annoying because, you know, that's sort of like the major feature of the type of artificer that Draxir was. However, he's pretty capable even without Uhtred. Like, it's not absolutely necessary to have Uhtred for everything. I kind of knew this going into it because, like, I looked at the stat block for, you know, uh, the Steel Defender. And they're not super tanky. They're not really meant to be, like, an extra entire character. It's sort of like a quarter to, like, a half of an extra character that you control. I think Uhtred had plenty of utility, though, like... Uh, so as a player, uh, a little bit annoyed. It, you know, it would be nice if Uhtred was a little bit more effective. But at the end of the day, like, Uhtred did what you're supposed to do. And that's kind of the reason why, like, I guess character development-wise, Draxir is, like, a little bit detached from Uhtred. It's not, like, a super, super close companion. It's just like, yeah, this is this automaton that sort of serves me and helps me out. I do care about it, uh, being that it is my main source of help. But at the same time, it's not the end of the world if something happens, because I realize, like, you're going to build, crash, rebuild. It's sort of like uh, if, you've, if you've ever done um, an unmanned aerial vehicle or, or drone project, that's very much what Uhtred is like. Oh, I knew what to expect. Would have been nice to have more utility, but, you know, I'm not super annoyed or super bummed out about it. I'd probably add uh, that from Draxir's perspective, it's probably about as annoying as if you're like a little more technical uh, in the sense of like, can you build a computer? And then your computer kind of like just blows up randomly like every six months. It's like, it's really fucking annoying. It's a little bit inconvenient, but at the end of the day, you know, it's like, okay, well, I'll just fix it or like rebuild it, right? If that happened, like, every six months or less, you know, it's it's okay. It's just a... It is an annoyance, though. Yeah. I, I guess I'd have to think about it a little deeper as to the in-game time. Maybe Lucas can give some insight into that. But I think for the frequency Uhtred blew up, it would probably be less than once a month. And since Draxir is an artificer and a bit of a tinkerer of sorts, I... Feel like that's kind of par for the course because he's either building or working on something at least that frequently, anyways. Uh, so thank you, Zia, for sending those in. And our last two questions. Me prattling for half an hour. 
we have from Amy. Are you going to go to every character's home? It seems like you've been <laughs> going through them one by one. A little called out, Amy. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we plan on going through everyone's home. I wanted, well, planned on going to everyone's home. Let me say that much. I really wanted to showcase uh, a little bit from every every group. And, you know, like we have, obviously, All Hail Prince Emzy was our, our step into Emzy's home. And uh, Sins of the Silver Shield was us going to Kelsar's home. And there's a, another one about uh, Ronnie's home and, and Draxir's. And, and there's going to be one about Bordon's. I, I wanted to give the opportunity to really showcase this world creation. Uh, because the, the the places everybody created was so unique. I just loved them a lot. And I wanted to, to show it off more, right? Don't just let it kind of sit in the dark. So yeah, you are right, uh, Amy. You did catch on what I'm doing. I am <laughs> going through each group's home. And this one is, are you already recording your second campaign and will it take place in the Forgotten Realms again? No, we're not recording our second campaign yet. I mean, technically we're playing Rise of Nyarlathotep on our streamed uh, Twitch channel. So if you want to check out more ballad stuff, like we have that going on. It's also on YouTube if you just want to like put it in the background and uh, like while you work or something. I mean, that's an option. But we aren't recording technically our second podcast campaign yet. My plan is, once I have all of this stuff edited, then I can I can put myself in that headspace to think about getting that uh, second campaign rolling. But right now, I just have too much on my plate, so I don't want to kind of overwhelm myself with too many things to do, because that leads to burnout, unfortunately. And uh, no, it will not be in the Forgotten Realms. I am shredding the Forgotten Realms to pieces. It is the the place we played all while growing up and playing D&D. We always played in the Forgotten Realms. We always played uh, in Sanctuary and Waterdeep and uh, Baldur's Gate, traveling around. Sometimes in Koromir, we would really just explore the whole thing. And we, we played so much in the Forgotten Realms. I enjoyed it, but I felt constrained there there's so much lore there's so much very like pertinent information and like this happened and this happened like the timelines and that's fine that's cool because i always love learning more about you know these fantasy worlds and stuff but i as a dm felt in turn kind of constrained to like play by the rules of how they set up the forgotten realms and i've broken so many of those already with ballad but you know, like, I, I still felt constrained in, like, I, I feel like I'm playing in somebody else's playground kind of thing like that. So, me and my spouse, uh, Michelle, who voices Dorum, we created a homebrew world called Loch Realta, and that's where Rise of Nyarlathotep is taking place. And it's it's wild, it's filled with a lot of horror, it's filled with a lot of, like, it's a, it is, like, medieval-based, but there are a lot of traces of hyper advanced technology think of it like a soft apocalypse right like everything went bad and now the planet's kind of fixing itself and moving forward so there's like times where they'll discover like an abandoned research facility and they don't know what anything in there does or there are uh, robotic beings that wander around the planet called automata that just keep performing tasks that they've been told to do for the last 2,000 3,000 years and so there's there's a lot of stuff like that 
uh, a giant floating machine uh, up in the sky that's controlling the weather and keeping things safe. So we won't be playing in the Forgotten Realms again. Instead, uh, I am definitely going to be taking it to our homebrew world. It is so much fun, and I, I really want all of you who who listen to Battle of Seven Dice to, to experience that world because we put a lot of work into it, and it's it's really weird and wonderful and high fantasy goodness, and there are absolutely terrifying things there, but they're absolutely beautiful things, and I, I feel so free running it because... It, it's it's being created while I'm playing in it, and it's it's such a freeing feeling. I wish we did homebrew right in the beginning, but I went to the Forgotten Realms because uh, that's just what we always did. So I felt the most comfortable doing that, and that's why we started the campaign there. Whew. So I have been chatting your ear off for the last half an hour. If other players did record their answers to these questions then you will have heard their voice but if you heard mine then i mean everyone's schedule is very busy lately yeah you know you know how it goes especially in this pandemic time everyone's home but we're all weirdly more busy like we're all working more for some reason it's it's such a weird state that fun stress brain but everyone thank you so much for sending in these questions i am thrilled we got so many uh, it's probably the most questions we've ever got for a QA, and that's cool as hell. Uh, so it means a lot, and thank you for your continued support. If you want more ballad stuff? Uh, I know I always promote it, but like you know, check out our Patreon. It's literally a dollar. You just put a dollar in, and there's like another 15, 16 hours of stuff. We have one shots, audio dramas, the whole, the whole shebang. So check out our Patreon for more cool stuff. Uh, otherwise, keep an eye out. We have a lot of things on the go. Like I mentioned, the next episode might may take uh, like three weeks after this to come out just because I'm, I have a lot of people recording lines. It's going to be, I think, like a 10 or 11 person production. So it's all going to be about Draxir's homeworld, Haymore. So that is going to be super cool. Look forward to that. I love doing these, these audio drama bits and having the, the TTRPG community kind of come together. It's very very neat until next time dear travelers stay safe take care of yourself in this stressful time and look after your loved ones and family until then i'll see you next time i bid you all adieu